Hey y'all, welcome back to my podcast, All for the Love of. Today's episode is not the episode that I was planning to record next. This episode's going to be raw and real and probably emotional. I'm going to do my best to keep it under control, but I can't make any promises. This is episode five, All for the Love of a Baby Dragon. For a really long time, I worked in the veterinarian and pet industry. From the time I was 15 years old until I was in my 30s, I worked in this industry. And in doing so, I've rescued a lot of animals in my time. There's very few pets that I have had that I have actually purchased, including reptiles and amphibians. I'm a big fan of reptiles and amphibians. I've had one or the other or both in some form or fashion since I was probably about 16 years old. One of the reptiles that I've had the joy of being able to rescue and to own are bearded dragons. And so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the bearded dragons that I've had and give you a little bit of background on my experience with them in this episode. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a story that's happened very recently that is what this main, main episode is all about. Um, this is not going to be an educational episode about bearded dragons. I do plan on doing something like that in the future, but this is just something that in order for me to be able to process and to cope that I feel like I need to do. Bearded dragons are one of the reptiles that a lot of beginners choose as their first reptile. Uh, in some ways it's really good and in some ways it's, it's not so much a good thing, mostly because a lot of people don't realize the requirements that are needed to properly care for a bearded dragon. Bearded dragons can live a really long time. Uh, ages range from 15 to 20 years if they're well cared for. They require a fairly large setup. They require special lighting in order to be able to metabolize calcium. Um, they require feeding on a daily basis, which most reptiles don't. Uh, like snakes can go, you know, two, three, four weeks without eating. So it's not as much of a commitment. Whereas a bearded dragon's kind of like a dog or a cat. They have to be cared for every single day. Um, if they don't have the proper lighting, then they can develop metabolic bone disease, which is uh, tragically can often be lethal to the bearded dragon, um, mostly because the owners don't know what to look for. They're not experienced. They haven't done proper research, and then it can end up causing either irreversible neurological problems or death of the bearded dragon. As a result of you know their complex care, um, the fact that they do require daily care, they're not just something that you know you can sit on a shelf and look at and take care of every once in a while. 
um, like say a tarantula or, you know, again, snakes are, are a lot easier and they're kind of expensive when it comes to setting up their enclosure properly and caring for them properly. Uh, there are quite a few that end up in rescue. Meaning, you know, maybe they were in a situation where the owners couldn't take care of them well anymore or, you know, they were bought for a, a child and the child lost interest and the parents don't want to take care of the dragon. And so they end up in need of being rehomed. Uh, I've had two bearded dragons that have come from a rescue situation. Uh, the first one, I named him Irwin after the late, great Steve Irwin. And he was a good dragon. Um, he lived to be 14 years old and, um, when he passed away, it was a situation of, I knew it was coming. He had gotten to where he didn't want to eat. And I was basically having to force feed him, which again, just stressed him out, which probably made the situation worse, but I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't just sit by and do nothing. And so Erwin passed away at the age of 14 um, and with rescues, you never really know what you're getting. And that's kind of the risk you take when you rescue an animal. Sometimes you're getting a perfectly healthy one. Sometimes you're getting one that's coming with some health issues that maybe don't present themselves right away. And that maybe you won't even know that there was anything wrong until much, much later. And so with Erwin, I don't know if that was the situation or not. I know he lived to be 14 years old, um, which is a you know pretty good long life for a bearded dragon. Uh, and he, he seemed to be a happy bearded dragon, if, if you can imagine that. And then after Erwin, I didn't have another bearded dragon for a really long time. Because, I, again, I do mostly rescues. And I already had, you know, a lot of other animals that I was um, taking care of. And so I didn't go and buy another bearded dragon just to replace him. I kind of just left it up to, you know, chance. If, if there was a dragon that needed a home and I was available, then I would take on another rescue. So about, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, um, my husband's cousin... Uh, contacted him because he knew that I had reptiles and I liked reptiles and stuff and contacted him about a bearded dragon that his daughter had gotten with her boyfriend and then she and the boyfriend broke up and she moved away and he the, the cousin the dad uh, my husband's cousin didn't know what to do with the dragon and was really looking for someone to take him in and of course I said sure no problem and so I got this four-year-old um, adult bearded dragon. Uh, I named him Waru. Uh, Waru is Australian Aboriginal for fire, which I thought was kind of, you know, appropriate since he's from Australia and he's a dragon. Dragons breathe fire. Ha ha. It was a play. And so I had Waru. Now Waru had not been properly cared for. He had never seen a vegetable in his life, I don't think. And so he didn't know as an adult that he was supposed to be eating, you know, mostly salad and didn't know what to do with vegetables when he was presented with them. So right off the bat, I had a bearded dragon that already had issues. Um, and, and it comes with the territory of rescuing. So Waru would only eat insects and these pre-made pellets um, that are supposed to be for bearded dragons. And that was pretty much 
it. And so he wasn't getting a very well-balanced diet despite my efforts of trying everything under the sun uh, to the point where if I caught him with his mouth open, I'd try to you know, stuff a piece of vegetable in his mouth like lettuce or a dandelion flower or something like that just to get him eating something green that he was supposed to. Well, about a year ago, no, actually it's probably about two years ago, he started developing some neurological symptoms, um, twitching, uh, falling off of his perches where he would like bask, he would just kind of fall off. Uh, and, and I knew something wasn't right and he lived in my classroom. And so the kids were really, um, cognizant of paying attention to him. And they were very good about letting me know that he had fallen off of his perch because once he fell off and if he was upside down or stuck, he couldn't get himself, uh, righted again. So they were really good about it and they were really good about giving him a space and not stressing him out. Uh, and so here I am, I've got a, a bearded dragon with some sort of neurological issue. I'm doing research left and right. I am scouring the internet, scouring the bearded dragon forums, which yes, there are chat rooms and forums for the care of bearded dragons only trying to figure out what is going on with him and how I might be able to help him. And so as a last, last ditch effort, I tried, um, this, this stuff, it's kind of a medicine that's supposed to help. And I was giving it to him in his mouth and, you know, things weren't getting better, but they weren't getting worse. And in October, no, yeah, I guess October of last year, early October of last year, maybe late September, I came in, um, one day in the morning and I had found that Waru had passed away. In both situations, when I lost Erwin and when I lost Waru, I was sad, but it was a situation of, I knew that something had been wrong, I knew that their time was coming, and I knew that it was going to happen eventually, so I wasn't really surprised. And not having that surprise kind of makes it easier, in a way, to mourn the loss of that that animal, that pet. It doesn't mean I wasn't sad because I was sad. And, and yes, I brought them, you know, I brought Waru home and Erwin was already here at home and I buried them both. And, you know, I had that mourning period, but it was also almost, I don't want to say a relief, but kind of in a way, because I knew that they weren't in pain and they weren't suffering anymore. And I, I wasn't causing any more harm by trying to help. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's when you're trying so hard to help an animal that can't really tell you what's wrong, it's it's a daunting task. And that comes with any pet, whether, you know, it's a reptile or a cat or a dog. They can't really tell you, so you're relying on your observational skills to pick up on when something is wrong, and you can't always fix it. And for me, that's a big problem because I'm a fixer. That, that's what I do. When there's a problem, I fix it. And when I can't fix something and I see them suffering, it's heartbreaking. And so, you know, Waru and Erwin are both buried in the backyard. And my students were really sad when Waru passed away. But they also understood that, you know, he had had problems for a while and that he wasn't suffering anymore. 
After I lost Waru, I wasn't really planning on, again, it was a situation I didn't really want to get another bearded dragon right away. Um, certainly wasn't, you know, on the search for one uh, or anything like that. But I ended up going to a big chain pet store in a town that's probably about an hour or so from my house. It was a, a happenstance type of thing. I wasn't planning on going, but I was in the area visiting a state park to check out for camping with my students. And I passed it up and I knew that this particular chain pet store, this particular location was having a, what they were calling like their reptile roundup or reptile rodeo or something like that, where they were, um, had a bunch of new reptiles, amphibians, uh, even arachnids in, and they were running specials on their prices. Ordinarily, I don't advocate buying from these big box pet stores, not their pets. And it's mostly because a lot of times the people that are caring for those animals aren't necessarily specialized in the care of reptiles and amphibians. And so they may not be being cared for very well. And a lot of times you don't know where those reptiles are coming from. If they're coming from a reputable breeder or if they're coming from uh, a terrible situation. So I don't really like supporting these big box store pet stores. However, I did happen to know that this particular branch of this store had a very knowledgeable herp guy, a, a guy who was very much into reptiles, amphibians, and arachnids running their pet department. So I knew that the animals that were going to be there were being cared for properly and cared for well. And so I decided I'm just going to go in and, and look. I wasn't absolutely not planning on getting anything except uh, maybe a tree frog that I was looking for and a particular tarantula I've been trying to get. So I go in and I look at all their stuff and they have lots of stuff. They have some snakes and they have, you know, lizards and geckos and frogs and some poison dart frogs, which are really cool and several different uh, tarantulas. And they had baby bearded dragons. Um, the bearded dragons were in good health. They looked really good. Um, but there was one in particular that I saw that I really thought was pretty. Um, it had like bright orange and reds on it, which wasn't, isn't normal coloration for what's considered a quote unquote normal bearded dragon. This particular baby had colors that you would see in a special color morph or a premium uh, colored bearded dragon, but very, very pretty. I, I took a picture, I left, I sent the picture to my husband and I left the store. I went and got some, uh, some lunch. And I told him, I was like, you know, this is what they had. This is how much they cost. And um, I really liked this one that was on this little cave looking thing. And he's like, well, why don't you go get it? And so I was like, mm, maybe, maybe not. And what did I do? I went back and got this baby dragon. And she was beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing uh, I have ever seen as far as a reptile goes. She's just gorgeous oranges and reds and very alert and bright. And so I, I got her and I got her for a steal of a deal too, which I was really um, excited about. 
And my thinking behind this was, like, I've never raised a bearded dragon from a baby. I've always taken on rescues and always in taking on rescues, taken on their problems that they had when they get to me. And I thought, you know what? Um, if I get a baby, I can raise a baby right from the start, doing everything correctly. And I will have a very healthy, very happy, long-lived bearded dragon without any issues. And so that's what I was determined to do. I was going to do everything exactly right and have this healthy baby bearded dragon. So um, I took her with me to where my husband was. He was at an event, um, kind of like an expo or something like that. And I, I brought her to show him and she just, you know, rested on my collarbone, like right close to my neck where she was warm, uh, super cute, came home, set up everything for her and uh, was just excited to have a new baby. And she she was awesome at first she did great she was already eating like she would eat her vegetables which I didn't have to you know struggle to get her to eat her greens and vegetables like I did with Waru who never ate anything she ate her bugs um with gusto she had a great appetite she was very active very alert uh tons and tons of personality and you might be thinking how can a lizard possibly have personality but let me tell you that this dragon this baby dragon had more personality than any other reptile I've ever had to the point she was as personable as a baby like a cat or a dog even she wanted attention she wanted to be held she you know she was just awesome I can't even describe how great she was even as a baby and so um we started kind of trying to come up with a name for her and I found one or two that that I threw out there but we ended up settling on naming her Miri. Uh, that's spelled M-I-R-R-I. And again, it's an Australian Aboriginal word and it means the sun, like the sun in the sky, which was appropriate because of her beautiful orange and red coloring. And so I kept her here at home for probably the first, I don't know, six months that I had her. Because as babies, they require being fed multiple times a day, much like a baby cat or a baby dog, a puppy or kitten. And so she had to get, you know, fed in the morning. She got um, her salad in the afternoon and then she would get some bugs again at night. And I kept her where I could see her in the living room. So she was out on display for everyone in the house to see. And she just grew by leaps and bounds. She was healthy. She was happy. She was, you know, thriving and eating really well. Um, she was only about three months old, best estimate when I um, got her. And so I kept her here at home until she was probably eight months old before I brought her to school. And so I brought her to school. The kids knew I had gotten another bearded dragon. So they were very excited to meet her. And I brought her to school and, you know, I had completely redone the enclosure from Waru, tore it down, scrubbed it, um, disinfected it, redid it to where she would have, you know, places to climb and bask and hide if she wanted to and all this kind of stuff. And she, she never, she never hides, okay, ever. She is always out 
um, on her perches or her basking rocks or something like that. And she was eating great, uh, feeding her. Uh, I even showed the kids her eat, you know, eating her bugs and stuff when I was trying to illustrate what an exoskeleton was. I always tell the kids that it's our crunchy bugs. Our crunchy animals have exoskeletons. So I fed her one to where they could hear it crunching um, when she was eating and, and know that's what I meant by crunchy bugs or crunchy animals. Uh, she, uh, Miri was one of the best or is, was one of the best um, animals I've ever had. She had so much personality. Uh, she, she'd want attention. She would come to the end of her enclosure and stare at me from across the room. And I knew she was eyeballing me. It's not like it was any kind of mistake. She wanted out. She wanted to come hang out on my shoulder or on my desk or run around the room um, with the kids or something like that. She would scratch at her glass. It's called glass surfing when she wanted attention and wanted out. And I tried everything to stop it. I blocked the, the glass so she couldn't see out, but that didn't work. She just got up higher to where she could see me. Um, but she, something else. She always wanted attention and tons and tons of personality. And I had gotten into the habit of looking at her from my desk and watching her watch me. It, it's just a very cool relationship with something that you wouldn't think of as being a cuddly animal. And they're not cuddly, really, but she did like attention. She did want to be on my lap or on my shoulder or on my desk where I was all the time. And the kids really enjoyed her. They enjoyed watching her grow. They enjoyed uh, when she would shed. She would look really funny with, you know, skin sticking off of her head, almost like she had a, a lion's mane. Um, and I was able to use her as... Uh, a teaching tool like I do with all my animals and it, it got them invested in another living creature other than themselves which for teenagers that's an important thing to do. Even though I had named her Miri, I mostly called her my baby dragon. Even though she was getting much bigger and wasn't much of a baby anymore, she was still my baby dragon. On May 12th, which was a Friday, when I came in that day, I could tell something wasn't right because she didn't want to eat, which was completely abnormal. This baby dragon had a voracious appetite and rarely turned down anything. Uh, sometimes she'd be a little fussy and wouldn't, you know, want to eat her greens right then and there, but she never refused a bug. And so when she didn't come down off of her perch, nor did she take a bug from me when I offered it to her, I knew something wasn't right. And so um, I just let her be for a minute thinking maybe she you know, snacked on some bugs that had been running around in her enclosure um, late last night. She just wasn't hungry. Um, a couple hours later, I didn't have any students at the time. And so I was like, let me, let me give her a warm bath and see if that doesn't perk her up. Because sometimes that the bearded dragons, a warm bath will either help them to defecate, which, you know, maybe she was constipated or it, you know, they, they hydrate that way as well. And so I thought maybe she just needs a little warm bath. And so 
Um, I heated some water uh, and had it in a dish and I took her out and I put her in the water and it was, you know, a perfect temperature, which is, you know, about human body temperature. So lukewarm. And while she was in the water, I noticed something wasn't right. She started tilting her head oddly. Um, and she stayed in the water and was calm for a while, but the head tilt was really kind of weird. And so after the water had started to cool, um, I took her out and I was drying her off. And while I was drying her off, the, the head tilt got really severe and she started to thrash around in my hands. And I thought maybe she was just trying to get away because she was the biggest diva dragon I have ever seen in my life. And that's what we called her a lot in the classroom. Um, we just called her the little diva or diva dragon because of her desperate need for attention from me all the time. So I thought maybe she was just thrashing around because she wanted to get down and she didn't want me to hold her right then. And so I put her in her enclosure uh, on her perch and I, I don't even know what was going on. I can't still, and it's been, you know, almost a month and I still can't wrap my head around what happened. Um, she, she kind of fell off her perch and couldn't uh, hold her balance or, um, walk straight. And so I just, I grabbed her up and I held her to my chest and I just talked to her and tried to calm her down because I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know what to do. And so I called my husband and I told him, I had already texted him earlier in the day. I'm sorry, y'all, I told you it was going to be emotional. But I had already texted him that morning as soon as I noticed something was wrong and told him that something wasn't right with her. And so when this started happening, um, I called him. I'm grateful I didn't have any students at the time because definitely would have been... Um, much worse than it was, I think. But I called him and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. And he told me, he says, you know, baby, if you don't know what to do, I certainly don't know what to do. Because he knows I, I know, you know, a lot about these reptiles. And if I'm at a loss, then he really doesn't know how to help. So his um, biggest suggestion was to, you know, put her in a, a dark and, and warm, quiet place and just let her rest. And um, I told him, I'm bringing her home. She's not staying here. I need her home. Because it was Friday, and I didn't want to leave her over the weekend um, unattended, where, you know, she she may have another, what, it, it was like a seizure is the only thing I can describe it as. And she might have another one without me being there. I told him, there's no way I'm leaving her here. So she's coming home. Um, I didn't know how I was going to make it work because, um, that same day was also graduation for our seniors. And so I'm like, if I have to smuggle her in under my, you know, regalia during graduation, I will. I, I didn't really care at that point. And so I got, a, um, I had a box that I was going to be using to pack up papers and stuff. And so I put her heating pad under the box and put her in the box and, um, kept checking on her and checking on her and she gotten still um 
so she the, the seizure or whatever it was had passed and um you know I'm still really upset and don't know what to do and I'm I'm hoping you know maybe it was just a one-time thing I'm getting on the bearded dragon forums they have a, a particular um thread group that's for emergencies and so people are on it a lot and I'm like you know I don't I don't know what's going on anybody help you know and they're throwing out things like you know maybe maybe she had um did she get into anything and I'm like absolutely not or did you know could she be impacted I'm like she's not impact meaning impaction is when they get a blockage in their digestive tract and they can't pass feces anymore and it can cause neurological issues which is what she was displaying like um rear leg weakness and the inability to to walk in a straight line and things like that and um so they were asking about impaction for that reason because it did definitely sound to them and to me just observing that it was a neurological something was going on neurologically and I'm like, I don't think she's impacted because she pooped yesterday. Like, right before I left, she had pooped. Because bearded dragons eat a lot, especially baby dragons. And um, when they eat a lot, they poop a lot. And so she had she had defecated before I left the day before. So I'm like, there's no way that she got impacted from the time that she had pooped yesterday to today. And this happened. Because when impaction causes issues like this, it's usually because it's been a longer term thing. Like they haven't been able to poop for days or a week or something like that. And that's, that wasn't the case. And so, you know, I'm, I'm obsessively checking this thread that I posted, trying to figure out what I can do for her. And, you know, I would have immediately taken her to a vet. Like if it had been a, one of my cats or one of my dogs, absolutely 100%, but there's no exotic vets anywhere near where I live. The closest one was two hours away. And there was no way that I was going to be able to get there um, at that point. And so I'm, I'm trying to do everything that I can to help my baby dragon. I'm obviously, you know, upset because I've, at this point I have done everything right. Everything. <laughs> proper lighting, proper food, the supplements, feeding her, um, you know, two and three times a day, depending on how little she was at the time, and socializing her and everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, so she's under my desk in a box, um, resting, and I take her out because she's she's still she's she's gotten really still and I take her out and um hold her <laughs> and my baby dragon took her last breath in my hands After she passed, I was absolutely devastated and heartbroken. I don't know that... I have to say that I was probably as heartbroken as I have ever been over any of my animals. With Waru and 
Irwin, like I have mentioned, it was expected. And so it wasn't as hard. With Mary, it was totally unexpected and sudden. And there wasn't even any time for me to try to do anything to help. And so my heart just shattered. And I somehow had to be able to um, pull myself back together and teach kids in like 30 minutes. And so um, I just, I, I, I can't even describe the amount of heartbreak that I felt and obviously still feel because I didn't understand what I had done wrong because I had done everything right. I I did everything by the books about how she was supposed to be cared for because I had never raised a baby. So I was making sure that I did exactly what everybody um, said that the experts were saying, this is the proper way to care for a juvenile dragon and I had never had a female either so that was new as well and I was making sure that you know I was going to be prepared for if she ever went into egg laying mode and I would have to deal with that but sometimes um, your best intentions and uh, you can do everything right and they still have to leave us Um, so I went uh, to my friend's office that works with me and she's kind of, she's really special. I'm not going to put her name on here, but she's really special to me because she always can, um, kind of calm me down and, uh, help me out when I'm either having problems with anxiety or, you know, family problems or something like that. And so I just went in her office and completely broke down and, um, My principal came in because she also knows how I feel about my animals. And she came in and was comforting me as well. And I told him, I was like, I I can't go in there with my students right now. I need a minute to be able to pull myself together. And I can't talk about it right now. And I know if I go in there, they're going to know I'm upset. Because my kids, at that point, you know, by May, they know me. And they know when, you know, I'm having a bad day. Or they know you know, when I have a headache or anything like that. But I mean, obviously I looked like I had been crying and I didn't want to explain or talk about it at all. I wasn't, certainly wasn't ready for that. And so they took care of it for me. They went into my classroom and they told them what had happened and told them to, to not talk about it. Don't, don't ask me anything. Don't try to, you know, comfort me and tell me that, you know, they were sorry or sad or whatever, because I couldn't, um, deal with that at that particular moment. And so I managed to get myself back together and splash some water on my face and went back to teaching my classes. Um, and then, you know, still had to go to graduation later that day, which the seniors that were graduating were super close to me. And so, you know, already crying because of my my baby dragon and then crying because of them. It was, a, it was a tough day. I try to understand but I don't understand. 
and I miss her all the time. Especially trying to finish out the school year and she wasn't there. And I'm sure some people are going to listen to this episode and think I'm crazy being this upset over, you know, a lizard. But she was, she really was special. She had as much personality as a dog or a cat. She really did. And um, I didn't realize how attached to her I had gotten until I lost her. I mean, for a while when I brought her to school, she was traveling back and forth on the weekends, um, still coming home. I had a hard time letting go to let her stay up there um, over a weekend. Eventually, I was able to do that, but she was the first thing I looked for every morning when I'd come in, and I'd I would look at her and watch her all day long from my desk. And so, after that Friday, when I came back in on Monday, I kept catching myself looking to try to find her. And she wasn't there. So, it's been really tough. And I had um, been able to to keep it under wraps uh, for my students. And I really kind of just had pushed it down for a while. But obviously, I still... I still have some grieving left to do. Which is why um, I felt like I needed to do this particular episode. More for me than anything else. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode I do apologize for um, the emotion and I apologize for the raw recording I couldn't bring myself to go back and listen and try to edit (laughs) so there's the ums and the pauses and the, the sniffles and all that kind of stuff that is in here I just couldn't listen to myself rehash the story And so you're getting a very raw and real episode this time. Um, Don't discount the grief of someone who is mourning the loss of a pet. Even if you don't understand um, the connection that someone has to that particular animal. Uh, A lot of people can understand grieving the loss of uh, a dog or a cat. But not everybody gets the loss felt for something like a reptile or, you know, in my case, a chicken, too, or, you know, a frog. And that's okay. That's okay if you don't get it. Just still be respectful and um, try to be understanding for, for those people that are grieving the loss of an animal. And I hope you enjoyed the stories of Waru and 
Erwin and even the story of my baby dragon. So I guess until next time, uh, this is all for the love of a baby dragon.